After six weeks, after countless amazing guests, we have reached the finale of this Ghosts BBC Rewatch Review. Join us as we discuss Series 1, Episode 6, Getting Out. Your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You don't understand. This is a liar. How can you think that I'm her dad when well, we both look exactly the same age? We do not look the same age. I was being kind. Wait, I'm going to hypnotize her. I hear my Christmas button Barbie camper. Priscilla, queen of the desert. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Pop Goes the Tam Tam. Now juggling day jobs with their endless renovations, Mike and Alison are both penniless and exhausted when a luxury hotel chain makes them an offer they can't refuse. The ghosts are out to help the cash-strapped couple with their get-rich-quick schemes. To discuss this last episode, I am joined by a very special guest. And I realise I haven't plugged your microphone in. Hang on, listeners. Hang on. <laughs> I'm just going to put some hold music on here. I am joined by a very special guest. Hello, it's me, Tamsin Small. Thank you for coming back to the show for this last episode. I know, last episode. I mean, we need to say, it's not the last episode ever of this show. Just of this series? No, not of this, not of our series, just of Ghosts, series oh, ghosts. one. Yeah, we should have done this <laughs> <laughs> we're going on throughout December. We are. Let's let's pull it back to what we're meant to be talking about, which is ghosts. Yep. The proper one. Mm-hmm. The UK one. Yeah. Ghosts UK as the Americans insist on calling it. The original. Even though it should be Ghost OG best one ever. Original and best. Original and best. Everything else is a substitute. <laughs> a poor copy. <laughs> on um, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, an interp- it's it's an interpretation of of British ghosts. It's it's different, although similar. Different, <laughs> well, the theme the theme is the same, i.e., haunted house ghosts seen by someone who is alive. That's as far as it goes. Really. I wouldn't. I would also say they've they've got like no trousers ghost, mid Victorian yeah. uppity ghost. Yeah, I get. Uh, yeah. So the cast of characters is basically okay. <laughs> so what we're, it's quite different. So the best analogy is like Walker's crisps and then you get a generic brand of crisps. Same flavour, slightly strange so taste. It's a supermarket brand of crisps Yeah, compared to a named brand. Yes, because we're not getting any sponsorship from Walker's. No. <laughs> Would you like Walker's? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I like no, more. Truthfully, we like Marks and Spencer's the best, don't we? Yeah, but we're not getting any sponsorship money from them either. No, so no. no Morrison's, no Sainsbury's, I don't, no on. Tesco even. They just keep saying supermarket, <laughs> <laughs> supermarket names until somebody sponsors us. <laughs> Aldi, Lidl, <laughs> Christmas is a coming. Come on. <laughs> Go on. Okay, so let's pull it back, pulling it back. Are you pulled oh, back? I am. <laughs> okay, so. This episode opens with the iconic line about bum and chips, which we know is Robin's favourite meal ever. 
And it took me a while to realise that he was actually talking about rump. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought he was talking about bum. No, really, honestly. <laughs> and I love when... <laughs> I love you when can tell you're a vegetarian. <laughs> I love when Pat says Robin misses eating bum. Who <laughs> <laughs> wishes he could eat bum again? <laughs> but it's uh, I love the little clubs that the ghosts have. I love food club. I love what I would wear in a day if I could club. It's just so <laughs> bonkers. Yeah, and they must have said the same things over and over again. Yeah. Because if you look at, like, uh, Mary, her diet is going to be so unvaried, you know. Yeah, well, she says bread and cheese. So it's just bread and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I gave her, like, a slight northern accent then. <laughs> Because she's West Country and I could have just done my own. <laughs> it's my inner pat. <laughs> Something that we also spotted before that we hadn't seen previously was the saucy look. I know. That Mary gives. What he says about and chips. Yeah, bum and chips and she gives a little look. I know. And I wonder... Because so often you hear about actors working together and they, because they maybe want a romance or something to happen, they will do a certain line reading in a certain way or give a look in the hopes that the writers sort of pick up on it. And I do wonder, is this where, spoiler, Robin and Mary, is this the seed where that kind of grew? That's interesting. I just love their relationship. I do too. <laughs> I, I'll never get over that bit when the captain comes in and goes, oh, when they're sort of about to have a clinch. <laughs> a clinch! Sorry, Fanny's back in the building. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that comes up from this opening is that while the majority of the ghosts have kind of either enjoy Alison being around now or have kind of made peace with the fact that Mike and Alison live with them, the captain is not entirely letting go of the idea of getting rid of them. Mm. And I love the whole lead up to it where you have Mike and Alison banging, hammering, yeah. drilling all night long and Julian gets more and more interested <laughs> until it ends with the captain saying, they've got jobs in... They've got jobs in the day and now we have to drive them out in the night. And yeah, drive them. Yeah. Pat's like, but then they'd never be here. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, this episode, I think, focuses a lot on the captain. Mm. And his character has changed so much since this episode. Yeah. He was sharper in this one. Yes, he was. More, more aware of what was going on. And, yeah. And people. Yes. And he saw that horrible hotel lady mm. with the terrible wig because I can't remember what her name is. So I'm just going to refer to her like that because <laughs> that wig is terrifying. <laughs> but he saw her for what she was and knew that she was trying to swindle Mike and Alison, mm. which I don't think we would have got in these more recent episodes where he appears to be a lot more clueless about things. Yeah, he took matters into his own hands as well. Yeah, it was 
when I watched it again, it was very interesting how his character sort of loosened up over time. Yeah. And it just shows you how the difference between this final episode and the one we reviewed last week, which is the penultimate one of the series, and how these characters have changed so much from where they were. They've evolved in different ways and it's quite interesting to see the the arc of that. Yeah. And Captain, who always kind of felt to me as if he was put together quite early on and it all made sense and he hasn't had the dramatic shifts that some of the other ones have. But when I watched this, I was like, oh my God, he has. He has. Mm. Because for me, that episode when he learns to relax with with Kitty is the one that starts his sort of the breakdown of a lot of those long-held generational barriers that he holds on to. Absolutely. But actually, it must have started in series two with him slowly becoming more and more chilled out. And we just didn't notice. No. (laughs) No, he gets him being totally regimented in his thinking Mm. to, to opening up to all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot of discourse online. I've read a lot of things about people thinking that the captain is autistic. And while I think that's one interpretation of his character, I would also say the other interpretation of his character is that he is so much of the generation that he comes from. Ah, uh, yeah. Sorry, my neighbours have decided today's the day they want to do drilling again. <laughs> Do you remember the great drilling saga of the summer? (laughs) Yeah, I think he is so much a product of the environment he came from. And something we keep going back to is how Fanny is the parent. Her generation is the parent of his generation. And you can totally see it. You can see why he is the way he is. When you, you, when you look at Fanny, yeah. yeah. Something else I really loved in this opening was when Kitty stands up to the captain and Mary puts a supportive hand on her arm. And that feels, again, spoilers for later stories, but that feels like she's carrying through all the good work that Annie did with her, yeah. helping her to find her voice. And how Mary is now, because she had that support from Annie, Mary's now supportive of Kitty. She's supportive of Fanny. She supports women. I love that about her. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, because it it sponsors a a revolt. Or, as the captain would say, a bloodless coup. (laughs) I love that, a bloodless coup. And... Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a big deal, I think, for Kitty to stand up to the captain. Because at this point, they do not have the relationship that they will later go on yeah. to have. But another interesting point is that just like we got seeds of what was going to happen with Robin and Mary, we had that here with the captain and Kitty. That's very true. We had that nice little scene between them where he called her Catherine which is what he always does, which is like such a daddy move. (laughs) Not that kind of daddy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. A parental move. A parental move. And, yeah, and again, I wonder if 
those two characters working so well together kind of gave the writers an idea we might do more with these two yeah that's the impetus i think yeah, yeah you're right. i think so yeah so there we go for all those people who love those uh, relationships not shit's relationship could it have started in these episodes i think it did mm. <laughs> so moving on from the ghosts let's talk about mike and allison for a bit mike is working at the fruit farm where is Alison working? This has always confused you. No, it confused you, if you remember. Oh, yeah, it <laughs> I'm confused about being confused. I find that on a daily basis, especially <laughs> in a work context. <laughs> I'm often writing an email and I'm thinking, I'm confused. <laughs> you, you do kind of wonder what, what, what they were doing previously. Yeah. Before they came to Button House yeah. as, as jobs. They're well, they a- must have had enough money to be able to look at buying a flat and as we said as I said way back in the beginning all those six weeks ago seven weeks now you know what world are they living in that two people who are on low incomes could afford to buy a flat which means that they probably weren't yeah which means they were probably doing something else which then begs the question if they were doing it then why can't they do it now well the only thing I can come up with Mm-hmm. is that it's a rural area and we know what that is like ourselves mm. you're very limited if you live in the country in this country well, that just, well. <laughs> i think what you mean is if you don't have the tr- if you don't have a second car they've got a car but they've only sh- got one yeah exactly so alison has to drive mike to work or pick mike up from work after she's finished work mm. so yeah and I I grew up in the country, we lived in the country, and your options are to drive or to wait an hour for one for a bus. And they stop coming at four in the afternoon. So when you think about most people finish work five thirty, yeah. some places finish at six. Mm. You're never going to get that last bus home because it'll have gone hours ago. So yeah, I get what you're saying about the fact that when you move to a rural area, chances are it won't have great transport links. But that still begs the question though, what were they doing before? We never get any idea. No, we we never get any idea. And again, I, I referenced this in the first episode, but I do think this is where the only improvement that the American one has on our one is that they had proper jobs. Yeah. So not that these aren't proper jobs, but they had careers. Yeah. So it made sense that they were able to look at places to purchase. Exactly. Because from their careers, they had a nest egg. That makes sense. From this, it doesn't. Mm. And it's like a real head scratcher. Yes, one of those ends that needed to be sort of tied off, really. I mean, I understand why they didn't want to focus too much on what Mike and Alison do outside of the house. Because if you think about it, every single episode really is set in the house. It's all in the house. And we hardly ever go to any second locations. Mm. It's like we're on a date. We never go to a second location. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds quite sinister. No, when you're on a first date, you should never go to a second location. Oh, I get you. Sorry, no, I thought you meant something else there. <laughs> I don't want to know. Okay. I don't want to know. Well, tell you. Well, thank God. I've been scarred enough. Oh, 
So, yeah, so they are at the fruit farm. Alison may or may not be working there because she had her label on. So you thought she might have been working at a supermarket. Uh, yeah, I thought maybe she was a, uh, on the checkout or something. But we only, well, maybe she works at the village shop because we know that's the closest one that they're prepared to drive to. <laughs> yeah, would she have a badge on in the village shop? Yeah. You know, in the village shops that... Yeah, but it could be a, like a bougie one. Like pines or something. It could be pines. It could be one of the ones in street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it could be like, it could be a village shop in quotation marks that they the audience can't see right now. The audience. Oh, my God. <laughs> the listeners. I'm getting nervous now. <laughs> Stage fright. <laughs> um... But yeah, and so we find out how they're working mm. and the fact that Mike can't go to the pub with his new workmates and that they're both exhausted because when they finish work, they then have to go and strip 27 doors and the whole thing is starting to get to them. Yeah, Alison is being worn down not only by the physical work they have to do, but also by the fact that the ghosts want her attention all the time. Yeah. And Mike is just knackered. And I liked the way they built in reasons for why they would want to sell this house. It didn't just come out of nowhere. Because I think from the audience perspective, we like the ghosts. We like Alison living with the ghosts and interacting with them. But we don't really think about how it must be for Alison. So I was glad we got that perspective and as I said, it made sense as to why they would want to sell the house. So let's talk about the ghost reaction to the house sale. Because I think this is interesting in the context of last week, where they basically had the same thread of a storyline, which is the golf consortium want to buy the hotel. In this one, it's horrible lady with the terrifying red wig turns up at their door and offers them this once in a lifetime chance to sell their crumbling home to a hotel chain that have been chasing this house for probably decades Mm. but the difference i would say is in the reactions of the ghosts so last week they desperately did not want her to go and also they couldn't believe that she was even contemplating it mm. because they've all the connections have grown. They love they all love Alison. All of them. Even Ju- like Julian loves Alison. Yeah. They all love Alison. They love the life that they have with her and they've become a family. In this episode, we're not there yet. It's all born out of selfishness. Yeah. The ghosts want Alison to stay because she facilitates their afterlife. Yeah, she she improves everything. They've got someone to interact with and do their bidding to some extent. Well, not to some extent, just do their... It must be like, I would imagine, having an out-of-control nursery class (laughs) all the time. And that would be... Well, I can't imagine. No. And they don't think about the cost to her. No. They're no, just they've forgotten what it's like to be a human. Yeah, and they're so selfish. They just want it to stay the same way as it is. And they know, as we said, they know that Mike and Alison are never going to be able to turn this into a hotel yeah. with what they're doing, you know. So 
for them, they think, well, what do we get? We get one week, we, we get a Thursday on tanks. Kitty's got someone to play with. Yeah. Fanny's got someone to boss about, etc., etc. Tasha's got someone to moon over. Yeah, but they never think about my, what Mike and Alison might need. It's mm. just what they need. And they need this because their lives, well, their afterlives are so monotonous and boring. This has brought change. And going back to last week's episode, I don't want to keep going back there, but I will. When Julian says that it's been thousands of years since Robin has interacted with any livings. And in this episode, you can see how desperate they are to keep them there because of that. Once in an afterlife opportunity and they don't want to let it go. So even that lovely scene where they take Alison into the house for the Araby jewel, even that is still born out of selfishness because... In the very end, when they promise not to do the things that they do, as she's promising, Fanny still has to insult Alison and talk about her poor posture, her slovenly attitudes, the way she dresses. And on that, the Araby jewel debacle. The thing that I really enjoyed was, I think a lot of other shows would have played it. I mean, it starts with the real sincerity, the swelling of the music. You get this sense, oh my God, she's going to find this jewel and be able to keep the house. They're all going to be really happy. And then pawned it. (laughs) Perfect. And something that this show is shot through of is missed opportunities and the purgatory that exists in a missed opportunity. Alison and Mike can never escape the gravitational pull of, pull of this house like the ghost can't. And I love when she says to them, it was a dream and it's turned into a nightmare. And you cannot say if any of you could get out of here, you wouldn't. Mm. And they're all like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> they hadn't seen it until then. No, no, no. Because they were only thinking about themselves. And that's when Julian says, you need cash. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just hadn't crossed their mind what the problem was at all. No, no. And I love his investors, Julian and the investors. <laughs> and I love, <laughs> I love that when he goes. <laughs> it's, it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Something you wanted to circle back to was the bloodless coup. I love the way the bloodless coup. <clears throat> Turn back. Teeth in. I love the way the bloodless clue. No? <laughs> I'm not the only one who can't say words. <clears throat> I love the way the revolt led to the captain going to look for some more company, different company. Obviously, he went to the plague ghosts. Yeah. And that wasn't very successful because <laughs> they didn't want him. But it led to him realising that there was a way that he could defeat the lady in the horrible red wig. Yeah. And that's when he took Catherine into his confidence Mm. and manipulated her to some extent Mm. to go and talk to Alison. Yeah. Can we talk about that whole scene with Captain and the play ghost? Because I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Firstly, it was a complete clash of societies. Yeah. And attitudes. Mm. And one thing, as we've said before, one thing I really like about the plague ghosts is how they're all peace and love. 
Mm. And that is so the opposite of the captain. (laughs) Not just the captain, though. The the ghosts upstairs are a collection of people that are all residing in this house together. The plague ghosts, on the other hand, are a community. It's individuals versus collectives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I liked the way he was like, I can lead you back up into the light. We don't like it up there. (laughs) Simple as that. Yeah. And I would love to unpack why they don't like it up there. I wish we'd had a bit more of that. I do. Yeah, that would have been very good. I also love the way the scene is blocked and the revelation, the idea that the captain has when he realises, oh, yes, this is a plague pit. And then there's the shot of him and the light bulbs above his head to signify that he's had an idea. And one thing I want to say as we draw to a close with these reviews is how great the cinematography and directing has been. I mean, when it comes to sitcoms, you don't really expect a lot. You expect the basics, two people talking in a room, three people talking in a room, a set of people running around. But the whole way through, Ghost has been innovative in the way that it films things, from the cuts at the dinner party, the jump cuts between what Alison was seeing and what everybody else was seeing to little bits like this that it's just so clever it's one of the most well shot interesting shows on tv on this sort of budget and it's seamless absolutely it's brilliant now we are jumping around quite a bit in this review (laughs) but please stay with us dear listener so we're going to talk next about Alison and mike house hunting And that kind of leans, I would say, back from what we were talking about in regards to the cinematography and the direction. Because I really like the way that this is put together. I love the first house where we we walk up towards the door of the first house we're told about when it was renovated in the 60s. And then you see that guy, you see the ghost in the party hat with like blood all over his face just waving to her from (laughs) from the window. It's such a surprise. Yes, yeah. Because although in episode two we got more outside ghosts, Mm. this is, again, reminding us that she can see ghosts and this is going to be an integral part now of their house hunting. Mm. And that leads me to, like, my favourite bit, which is the pilot ghosts. Oh, yeah. And I think why ghosts is really clever is because it responds to two questions that are often asked in the sort of uncanny community obviously I listen to that podcast I think it's really funny I don't believe in ghosts myself but I do listen to it and a lot of people say things like why are there no caveman ghosts well there is there's Robin and also (laughs) something like if the Titanic sank are the people who died on the Titanic are they just like out in the Atlantic Ocean just promenading around an unseen ship And this kind of answers that question and says, yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) And the pilots, they look so, they were so bored, weren't they? Mm. And fed up. And they can't have had a lot going on for them in the last 70 years. No. No. Are they sitting on a twig or, what are they sitting on, a tree? 
They're sitting in the plane. Oh, they're sitting in the plane. Yeah. The plane is gone, but they're still sitting in it. So like we like I was saying, like Titanic, no, if no, you were no. to go out there, would there just be a load of people promenading around invisible ship? She couldn't resist saying hello though, could she? No. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> and they were so excited to see her. I know. But you just you just knew. You just knew. From the minute they got up there and you could hear them talking and it was like, oh no. But when they went to that last house, all I could think was, it's okay now, but you know some ghosts are going to come out through that tree line, press their faces up against the <laughs> conservatory window and start criticising the way you cook your food. I wouldn't have done it like that. I wouldn't have done it like that. I'd have done it like that, but I wouldn't have done She's drunk too much. Like every dinner party you ever have out there, there's going to be uh, like a running commentary. <laughs> oh, she's on another gin and tonic, I see. <laughs> and of course, the episode ends. And when you when you watched it again, you were like, this is so poltergeist. I did. I did. I did. It, when she fell into, it was like in a swimming pool. Yes. Now, dear listeners, you should know that Poltergeist <laughs> is one of Tamsin's mum's most quoted films. <laughs> From, you know... This house is clean. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crumbs. You just love it, don't you? I do. Before, after. But we had that amazing scene when they go down... Um, to the basement where we know the plague pit is and it all starts to fall into place what the captain's plan is and I love as Alison is walking down she clocks the captain and she's like okay Mm. I also love how Pat and all the other ghosts run to follow but I especially love the way Pat runs to follow (laughs) and it all becomes so clear that the captain's plan was for the team investigating the basement for the swimming pool to find the bodies. Mm. And then we get the combination of... The swimming pool. The swimming pool. <laughs> and it all comes full circle. Yeah. <laughs> and we find out that Alison and Mike are not going to sell the house. And they're actually never going to get away. No. And that's all the fault of the ghosts. Because, let's be real, they would have sold the house, lived in that nice uh, characterless box, had the the dinner party ghosts that are probably any part of my imagination coming out, and then then lived very happily there while the hotel chain had to deal with all these bodies that they had to get rid of. Happiness for everyone, but no. No. This has been probably our most chaotic review that we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have stayed, dear listener, to this point, I just want to say thank you. Please don't leave. (laughs) So as we wrap it up, as we wrap the series up, I want to ask, what did you think of not only this episode, but the series as a whole? I really enjoyed it. It was well crafted, the stories were really good and the ghosts changing and becoming different and the way they react with Alison and the way they are starting to become quite nice. Not nice but they're becoming more 
as they might have been in life when it comes to dealing with other people? Well, I would say, actually, they're going beyond how they were in life. They're expanding. I think the thing about ghosts is they were a certain way in life, but now in the afterlife, they've actually, they're changing the things that they held on to once they don't hold on to anymore. They're expanding who they are as as people. Yeah, because the, the conventions of society that bound them they could drop those without any repercussions at all. Yeah, they're evolving. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I liked the way it unfolded and uh, it, it was funny. It was quite touching and it was clever. And it was it was a great story and I really, really enjoyed it. What would you give it out of ten? Eight and a half. Only eight and a half? No, I'd give it ten. I was going to say, why would you only give it an eight and a half? I was trying to be a bit more, I don't know. Because I do, I I think perhaps I like it too much, if that's possible. Because it ticks all the boxes for me. Yeah. You know, I like ghost stories. I I like clever writing and it's just, yeah, so definitely. Actually, I'd give it 20 out of 10. (laughs) 20 out of 10. A thousand out of 10. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're also going to rate Alison's jumpers. I am going to give this a big fat zero. That uh, pinky maroon one was horrible. It didn't fit her properly and you could see through it. She's worn that before and I agree. It's it's one of those jumpers I really hate. It looks like a Primark special. Nothing wrong with Primark. No. I shop there. If Primark want to sponsor the podcast, please go ahead, send us some clothes I love it. (laughs) But, yeah, it had that sort of, like, after you've worn it a couple of times, it starts to look a bit ratty. And it it had that vibe. No. And then, obviously, you had the um, uniform jumper as well. Mm. Uniform jumpers always look awful. I did like her parka, though, her anorak. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should start rating coats. Yeah. That was a very uh, on-trend colour then, wasn't it? Yeah, that mustard. Mm. Yeah, it was getting popular. Okay. So we're drawing this to a close now and I just wanted to say thank you for joining me for the pod. Okay. It's always a delight to have you here. Thank you. (laughs) That (laughs) pause. And obviously next week we have a very special episode to bring to people which will be our unhinged reaction to Doctor Who, the first 60th anniversary app drop. I'm a bit nervous about it, actually. So am I. <laughs> I'm also going to have to make notes midway through. <laughs> yeah. it's... Well, anyway, <laughs> thank you for being here. That's okay. What time does your bus come? Is it four? Tell him I'm telling my next Tell him you follow something fresh I know Tell him I'm telling my 